Okay, well, I mean, if you're done singing, um, welcome back to This Is Podcast Shit. This is Leanne. I'm Matthew. And this is a special edition, um, extra episode for you guys this month. Um, we are talking about grief and ending on hope. Um, so getting to some personal, um, I guess events that have happened to us, we sadly have dealt with a, a really close loss, um, with our friend that had cancer and the way he's like related to us is he's not biologically, but we definitely believe in chosen family and him and his wife are really great friends of um, Matthew's mom and dad and his son has become a brother to us along with his fiance and uh, we just felt like we needed to take some time and actually talk about the things that you know what this podcast is meant for and that's feelings and opinions and the tough topics yeah yeah this is a good way to kind of vent get our feelings process. yeah and we just get to process it with all these folks all these listeners so we're all we can all go through it together and maybe learn from each other yeah so i'm not gonna guarantee this is like a super long episode but you know i think this is a good way for us to get our thoughts down and, and process um now that the hard stuff for us is done I think um I know the family is just beginning because now things are quieting down um but what are your thoughts on grief oh man well first off you had a point about getting your thoughts out because one thing I was thinking of is right now this is maybe the first time we're actually getting it out out loud yeah it's not just in our heads and that's healthy. Or silently, like, mulling over all the right. the thoughts and the stages of grief. Just like with anything, I think it is healthy to actually get it out, to talk to someone. And you've heard that advice with other things. And I feel like it works for this, too, for grief. My thoughts on grief are that you, you go through this alone. You it, I think it affects, it. like, you go through it alone, but it definitely affects your life and the people around you. Um, I remember you and I and mom were both talking about being absent-minded. I almost put the milk back in the cabinet, which is not where it goes. Um, uh, I noticed I was forgetting things. Y'all were doing that too. And it was, I think we all felt, we all came to the same conclusion that grief was manifesting and that's what was happening. Yeah. I'll, I'll say like, I have not been this brain fogged is what I call it, um, since, like, honestly, like, my, my grandfather died, and that was when I was a senior in high school, um, which, ironically, um, and, and y'all, y'all have done this, because I've, I've told you, but, um, our friend John was the same age, and had the same cancer that my grandfather had, and it, not that it was a trigger, because there was nothing 
you know, traumatic about it. I mean, we knew that he had cancer and whatnot. And um, I guess just the similarities of how things progressed between John and my grandfather were so surreal. Like, I I literally felt like I was watching it again, Um, especially towards the end. I will say that John had a better, I guess, end to put it respectfully, um, my grandfather wound up being like hospitalized and there's some other legal things that I won't talk about, but um, he ended up on a nebulizer mask and, you know, being in, you know, formerly being in nursing school, we were taught once you're on that, then it's only a matter of time. Um, But I, I digress. Um, I feel that because, you know, my grandfather wasn't my grandfather, right? John was like chosen family. That's right. Like I moved to, to the city, no family within like a two and a half hour drive from me. So like chosen family is so important, um, to me, um, specifically because like they've you know chosen to take me in not just me choosing them as my family so it kind of goes both ways i've heard that phrase chosen family or also found family and like you said goes both ways yeah i like found family too. yeah you know those bumper stickers who adopted who talking about yeah or who saved who um so it is i think with found family or chosen family and this really i wish it didn't have to be because of this but this event really put that into perspective. It brought to the forefront that maybe we've taken advantage of. Yeah. I think, you know, not really thinking it, you know, as such as like, you would just know John would come to all the family functions and we just expect them there. You know, it's no choosing to be there, choosing to be a part of the group. I know your, him and your mom have been friends since they were middle school age a long time i mean this is you know 50 year friendship um for you what is the hardest stage of grief to get through do you remember the stages oh well so when i was studying kubler ross it was the five stages of dying I can't exactly remember the order. Uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Okay, so yeah, it's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Yep, in that exact order. And for those that are listening, um, the resource is actually the National Library of Medicine by the NIH. Um, you can Google it, honestly. And um, if you're ever interested in the Elizabeth Cooper Ross it's on death and dying I promise this is not you know an ad to go buy a book but just so you have the proper resources that are of some authority um you had asked the toughest um denial of course and I think that for least for me that kind of never went away it was just varying stages um and anger because 
so the anger stayed with us forever too because i kept saying um that it's it's unfair there's so many monsters one in particular that i could you know i could see this being fitting for i said it but someone that is so ridiculously good and decent it just just was a disgusting thought to me and still is um i don't think i ever had any real acceptance it was a forced acceptance because i didn't have a choice um i wouldn't i don't think i ever felt any bargaining but i always particularly uh for the year or two that he was doing pretty well if simonic kimo was working i thought okay maybe we can we're getting somewhere there is some hope maybe he can beat the odds and then when things started to go the other way i was still even though it was probably illogical i was still hoping against hope that something would change that oh well it's okay once they start chemo again that'll do something but it, it didn't and it shows you that you know when, when cancer is that bad it is that bad and it doesn't matter how much chemo you have mm. and that really got to me um so it was the only one i never really had was acceptance uh it was always forced yeah depression and yeah it's still fresh too yeah depression and anger pretty much stayed with me the whole time yeah um i guess i'll go through my like process um when i think of denial i think it's it was for me it was more uh, he's got time he's got time he's he's when i say john was stubborn I'm saying he was stubborn in a good way mm-hmm. and like he was like I'm not gonna die I'm like I'm gonna beat this and he had such a strong will to live um he loved life um he was kind of like that little ray of sunshine every time he'd come to family events and um always positive like always I mean the most optimistic human being I have ever truly and I, I'm not exaggerating I have ever met. And let me um, too that that was before the cancer. Almost annoyingly so. Yeah, uh, and I guess I should probably I won't lie about put a disclaimer that I've only known John since, what, 2020, 2021? I've heard of him because like, we were, well, while we were friends, you you were just talking to me because he had just gotten diagnosed. And he, it was 20... 2019? Well, I'm so sorry. It was early 2020. I know because, like, the first... Uh, uh, the first time I really knew was also just before the world shut down in March. Okay, because I was thinking it was the end of 2019, early 2020. So yeah, that would probably that adds up. Um, but I remember um, just hearing about this amazing man and like that you guys were like really close to, and then finally meeting him. And it's kind of like something I said at his funeral of I knew him before. I knew him like all this you know talk of of him like before they actually met in person yeah um so I was kind of like I guess in denial of you know he's gonna beat this he's got this like John will be with us for a while um but then when see I didn't know the, the doctor kept saying multiple times you know three to six months three to six months three to six months left and um, I didn't like know that either. This last time, um, it just felt different. Yeah. Again, hearing hearing it actually being said by the family. Yeah. Um, 
other than the next one is anger. Um, kind of like you, I feel like there are more people in this world that are more deserving of this. Um, he is the least deserving. Cancer is, you know, fuck cancer. Um, it takes the good people more so than the bad people at, at times, or that's kind of how I feel. Um, there are definitely more people, you know, these hateful people in the world that seemingly never get sick or never have anything bad happen right. to them. No problems. Yeah. Um, so I'm angry because this is a man that does not, did not deserve to go the way he went. Um, but he did have his family around him. So for that, I am grateful. Um, bargaining. I don't think it ever got to the point where, you know, caregivers, because bargaining is, you know, with the caregiver, you're asking them to, you know, if you do this, I'll do that, or, you know, bargaining even with God, um, you know, praying and negotiating is like, well, if, if you make John feel better or, or, you know, clear of cancer, then I'll do anything, you know? Yeah, that, unfortunately, I know that's not the way that works. Um, I think my hardest part is the depression afterward because you see when, you know, at the funeral, how many people are affected by his death. Oh, yeah. And... I mean, maybe not everyone there knew him personally, but they were there for someone who, you know, did, whether that's his wife or his son or, you know, daughter-in-law. He kept um, wide net. Yeah, you, and that just makes you realize, too, just how big actions are yeah. um, and how, you know, far and wide the ripples go. I, I was... I was going to say ripples. <laughs> That's been my phrase lately, right. so. But thinking about um, legacy and reputation. Yeah, legacy's big. Like, I mean, I definitely think he's left a good one. Yeah. Um, He was the biggest Beatles fan. Mm -hmm. If I have to, um, like, I think he definitely <laughs> outdoes your dad. <laughs> but they were Beatle buddies. Beatle buddies. Um, Beatle buddies. Yeah. They, I mean, just being around him, you knew that. You were gonna get a music lesson. Doesn't always have to be Beatles. It wasn't always Beatles, but you know, taught me things and that I never in a million years thought I would know. Um, as for acceptance, I think that I mean, I know this is crazy, but I don't think I'll really accept it until like the first holiday without him. Yeah, it. Cause it's like ah, it's almost like this. It's I'm still in the. This isn't real. Denial. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely going back and forth, you know, in denial from time to time. I'm feeling that too. None of these are, I mean, they say that this is the order it goes. I'm like, nah, like. I mean, wasn't it? I go back and forth between anger and denial to depression. You know, it's. It was one year ago that John was at the Seder table with us for Passover. Yeah. Explaining the orange and why that should be on the Seder plate. Yeah, I remember. Just a year ago. And also this, uh, the concert, we, we were able, you know, fortunate to go to Ringo Starr concert that was in the area. And I mean, he lit up like a kid in the holidays, like Hanukkah for us, Christmas for some. But Very happy. He was the happiest 
And of course, I'd rather not have ever seen him. Yeah. And I'm glad we were able to do that for him. I mean, obviously, it was a present for your mom and dad for Mother's Day and Father's Day, but. You kind of a brilliant trust, let's be real. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, I didn't, we didn't feel like your mom and dad would have had like the absolute best time unless John and Dell were there. I, well, and that's the kind of person he was. And that kind of people they are, they, they made things better. Yeah. He made things better. So yeah, the, the denial of going to be there for a while. You, whatever holiday, whatever get together, it'll be. I mean, I'll be looking for John. So what's the? Um, I guess, well, there's a memory or just what you love most about him. Um, well, I mean, because you've known him longer, obviously. But I, I mean, what since you were? Well, at least in 2000, point? no. Um, honestly, it was a little bit later, but it was at least since 2009. Because that is when my mom reconnected, re- reconnected with That's him. Right. Um, but still, a while. That was one year removed from high school, and I'm now 34 years old, so it is still a while. That's mm-hmm. a good, good long time. Um, you know, 18 years old to 34 years old. Um, it, it's kind of asking me to pick a favorite Beatles song. I can't. Because he had a lot of great qualities, but I do miss going into the weeds with him on music, uh, um, sharing trivia, um, trying to challenge each other, or again, just going into the weeds on Chicago, the Beatles, whatever band it was, and getting into the miscellany. Um, this bass player worked with this guy and that dude and this person, and they're connected to Paul McCartney. I mean, that was the kind of stuff I learned from him, and I, I'm definitely going to miss. Well, shoot, you even had like a moment what yesterday. I, I I did. Of like we were out with um, John's son Adam and and his uh, fiance Jackie, and like you even it was it was the bar was the, and, the bartender was just shaking. Yeah, well, I'm glad you reminded me one because I do need to write this out. But the bartender, well, she had uh, the cocktail shaker, mixer, yeah. the shaker, and she was shaking it, and it, uncannily, it sounded exactly like the tail end of Chicago's beginnings, um, where when, when it starts going into musical break and you just hear all the percussion and everything, um, and it sounded like exactly like it, and I thought John would love that. Because I know he and I, he and I probably would have thought the same thing. And then we would have gone on about how cool that was, talked about the music, um, gone on some sort of tangent. Um, and you get like, you start laughing and then you get sad because I got sad because I realized there is no John to text. That was my thing. I would have texted him or called him and said, ha. That's a better sweet. Yeah. I was like, oh, right. That's, that's, that's right. But yeah, that took me right, right back that, that he was the first person I thought of. Oh. For me, it's just again, just how positive he stayed through everything. Cause I, I, I only, again, I only knew him while he was going through his cancer treatment. But and hearing that, you know, well, he was like that even before. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's good to know that the, the cancer didn't change him like mm. it can for some. Yeah. Um, cause I, I'm not in no way gonna say like I know how it is to go through cancer because I don't I hope I never find out truthfully but um John just had this way of like 
connecting people. Um, I don't know, like, whether it was like a person to like music or actually actual people like reconnecting. Um, I feel like that was just a gift because like he also connected me to Adam and Jackie and right. us to Adam and Jackie. Like they're, there's, there are siblings, like, yeah, it's family. They're definitely, you know, brother and sister to us. Yep. And we absolutely adore and would do anything for, um, it's just, it's heartbreaking to know that again, come the holidays, that's, I think when it's going to hit us all the most, um, However, I think carrying on definitely have to keep an orange on the Seder plate. Yeah. For Passover. Um, go ahead. Well, that's two things. One, you talked about heartbreaking. And another thing I can only imagine, and thank God I, I didn't have to deal with that. Adam is only 24. Yeah. And his dad is gone. Yeah, that's a lot of um, things that hit home to you, too, because your dad was young. That's right. Well, so, he lost his dad. Yeah, and unfortunately now I can really understand what he felt like. And, oh, here come feelings. Um, I mean, I could, I, I could just only imagine that's so dark and horrible. Adam is, is I, he's a young man and he, he should have his father for decades more. Yeah. Um, and you talked about the orange. That reminds me of how devout a Jew he was, um, and how it's more than just—it's it, it, not just how often you go to temple. It's about what's in your heart. And he really—he—it was really his life. He—he he was a Jew. It wasn't just when he went try holy days. It's, he lived it every day. He really cared about the liturgy and our values. And he was a great role model for living. When they say living a Jewish life, he lived a Jewish life. Yvonne Mensch, he he really did again care about our our teaching, their values. Uh, you know what what an inspiration. Yeah, there's something I think Jackie had mentioned that you know before because um, her and Adam were so busy with school that they didn't really think about their like spiritual spirituality. Um, and now with this, it's like, it's come to surface and like, they, they've been thinking about it more. Um, and like John left such, like, he was such a role model. Mm -hmm. Like during my conversion, um, what, you know, I guess converted three years ago. Oy. Um, I know it's been a while, right? But, um, he helped me get through some of the most difficult times um not emotionally but just like understanding why things are done this way or you know he, i mean i remember him talking about this woman trying to convert him to christianity and i mean he was let her know very nicely that he's like no i'm i'm a proud jew mm -hmm. his parents were i think his mom was a holocaust survivor Right. Um, so there was no way he was giving up that identity, um, especially, you know, with her going through what she went through as a young girl. Um, but just to also see how 
um, Adam can look to, you know, to how his father was, especially with the, you know, he, I think he started this something at um, one of the synagogues, I think, with the youth. Yeah, he did. Um, was really big into that. So. Yeah, some, definitely some program that they're still doing that was because of him. Uh, we just heard that at the service. Yeah. And that was all John. Yeah, I mean, that. I think that was one of the biggest things he wanted to leave behind that, you know, people remembered him as a, as a, what we call him in, in the Jewish community as a Mitch. Mm-hmm. Oh, just a being. good, good man. And now you could say a good person, but yeah, yeah. He, he is. Yeah, but, um, well, we don't want to end on like a negative note. No. But, um, so I think with death, I always try and think of okay, well, this is a reminder t- for me to live a good life and do what's right and live right by the, you know, the people that are around me. Um, you know, because I don't want to disrespect anyone's memory, you know? Like, you know, John's family, so I'm going to treat it as family. Like, I mean, I'm not going to, like, do something that I would think he would disapprove of. Um... The same way I would look at, you know, not doing things I would think my grandfather would disapprove of. Um, so I think, in a way, there's hope that comes from death. Mm. Yeah. You know, a, a rekindling or a reconnection. Again, even in death, like John's, like, reconnecting people through, you know, meeting or seeing other people and, you know, maybe family working out problems or, um, but... Perspectives, you know. People Excuse get that perspective, and and they see maybe their problems aren't as big. Yeah, yeah. On good perspective, and you say, well, like we, maybe, maybe this argument isn't such a big deal. Yeah, and like you feel like, okay, you know what? Family's more important than this minuscule little petty argument that you've had, or or just even seeing people that you haven't in a long time. Right. Priorities get reshifted. There's that. Tim McGraw, live like you were dying. Oh, it's the second verse that, it's the second, I know, country. But it, it is apropos, and I've been, I couldn't help thinking about it, because, man, is it too, unfortunately, relevant. But the second verse, he talks about uh, all of a sudden going fishing wasn't such an imposition. The idea that, look, maybe maybe it's not that big a deal when Dad asked me to go fishing. Maybe yeah, he just wants to spend the time. Right, maybe it's not such an inconvenience. And he talks about being the friend a friend would like to have and all this. And that's so real. It's cliche when people say, it's you know. It's so relevant to, yeah. to today's day. well, they'll, they'll say, you know, make sure you say your I love you. and hug people because you just never know. But it's true. And it's really hitting home probably now more than it has before. Because this, this time it was a death that really hit home for me. Um, so that, that that's something that I've been trying to do more, trying to be more conscious of is making sure I, you know, I'll randomly tell my mom I love her or make sure I, I hug the people I care about or check in with someone and be proactive instead of just waiting or not. Like, look, maybe I should say something to this person. Or if, if my brother asked me to hang out, you know, that's not a big deal. Maybe I'm not that busy. Uh, it's not, I, I, it's not an inconvenience. I should go ahead and do it because you don't know. You don't want regrets. So that's that's what's happening for me now. Yeah, that's what you and me like kind of reprioritize too because I I worry that I've got a few more family members that are 
not doing so well, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, so it's like, you know, my priorities of making sure they know that I'm thinking about them today. They know that I love them, which they, I mean, I'm sure they do, but, um, but it's also nice to hear, you know, um, and that, that it's, it, it's, it's well, no, actually, well, you said, like, to hear. I think you brought up a, a good point that it's important to actually say it. Like I could be thinking, I know I'm thinking, I love this person or I care about this person, but you, you brought up a good point. It's, it's nice to hear. And I think that's the thing. People need to actually say it. Yeah. They, they, they need to go ahead and say, I, I do love instead you. Instead of, you know, you. instead like, don't just, well, instead of saying, well, they know that I love them. They know that I, you know, they can always call me. It's like, they may know, but like. Kindness is free, right? Yeah. It doesn't take you, but a few seconds to call or even text somebody is like, Hey, thinking about you, love you. Why am I actually getting feelings right now? I have no idea. <laughs> But, like, I know, because we're saps. Yeah, but it, it's true. It, it's it's zero ninety nine to say, look, I, I really miss you, or, or I hope you're having a good day today. Yeah. So that, I guess, like, the biggest takeaway for this episode is whether you've lost someone or not, you know, just make sure you know it, you're, the people in your, your, that are close to you know you love them. Don't be afraid to show your emotions. Honestly, over-communication is best communication. Um, it's not going to hurt to t tell someone that you love them. If anything, you're probably going to make their day, and you don't know what they're going through. Like, I know, like, I mean, I'm going to a little more personal right now, but my grandma, she's struggling, like, mentally. Not because she's losing her memory, but she's by herself, you know, and she's got you know some of her independence is gone and she's very stubborn and very independent and she does not like the idea of having to be a burden on someone so like we just have to be very active in telling her hey it's okay mm. we love you nothing has changed you've taken care of us for all these years why am i getting emotional Whew. right let us take care of you so uh apropos you um i think it's also important to find time to uh to spend with your loved ones you know how we always put something off uh, i don't want to do it today i'm tired yeah. or watch the movie another day you know what if, what if we hadn't had seen magical mystery tour you know so oh, yeah. if, if yeah. grandma asks you if you want to hang out today or rake the leaves, go, go rake the leaves. You know, it's a, it's a few minutes out of your day. Try and find the time. Or just go, like, pick them up lunch and drop it off. I'm like, hey, what's in the area? Here it is. Right, because you just, <laughs> you just don't want those regrets. Yeah. Or I think we're getting emotional now. It's time to... <laughs> My biggest thing is, like, you know, we, everyone, I think, wants to die with the least amount of regrets, right? That's so one of those is don't regret not saying, you know, the easiest phrase ever when that's I love you. But with that, I guess we will see you guys. Well, you'll hear us <laughs> in a couple of weeks. This is Podcast Shit, so please feel free to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And then you can email us at officialpodcastshit at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.